and welcome to the very 79th podcast from the Shut Up and Sit Down video website website. I am Malise. This is Quentin Smith in his beautiful but untouchable shirt. Uh, and here, of course, we have, for those of you listening at home, it's made of a weird kind of velour carpet material. Ah. It's, it's, it's lovely one way, horrible the other. And uh, also lovely one way, horrible the other, it's Paul Dean. Oh, yeah. That was a, a pointlessly mean seg, I apologise. But true. Uh, yeah, I suppose it's true of everybody, isn't it, if, if you're really honest. Yeah. We yeah. are at the UK Games Expo in Birmingham, NEC. Woo! <laughs> Very small cheer for that. One yeah. person like in the audience, big not a fan lot of, people. of the Birmingham NEC. What, does nobody live in the Birmingham NEC? No one here tonight who lives in the Birmingham NEC? Oh, it's unbelievable. Um, we're having a great time. It's yeah. been a bit of a whirlwind uh, excitement tour this time because we got our own our very first stand we got given a free stand that we could use and i was really excited about that and i put a lot of work into organizing the stand only to turn up and realize that and they did warn me about this they did keep sending me emails being like look anything you don't order in terms of furniture there just won't be anything there and i'd seen that and i just sort of forgotten so when i, I turned up and discovered a wooden a bare wooden table unfolded and next to it three plastic chairs unfolded just in the middle of nothing and I was like this is our booth and it I was to... like the debris after a wrestling match yeah <laughs> but like a backyard wrestling match that no ring no, it's no not, mics it's not legitimate no one's filming it it's two brothers who've been hitting each other's with chairs for eight years and that's our booth yeah and then we were supposed to have a big pop up sign um, with, that said shut up and sit down and it just didn't arrive in time um, so I had to make my own sign um, and I'm actually really happy with how it came out if you want to have a look at what this looks like you'll probably be able to go and have a look on the, the Twitter account if you're listening to the podcast and, or, or uh, just in real life we are it's a real thing well yeah but I, by the time people listen to this podcast you aren't in this oh, room now we will yeah. not be here oh <laughs> the oh, time that's how time works that's how time works that explains how I've screwed a lot of things up in my life <laughs> <laughs> I really thought we'd made some progress on that Paul no but, <laughs> no. but um, yeah that it, I had to just basically go around and find the biggest cardboard box I could, tear it up to make it one sheet of material, and then now it's got some hooks hanging it to a thing, but for a while it was literally just squeezed into a gap in the wall that held it up next to the exhibition oh, services. Also, lovely twist, uh, Matt was like, we don't need to pay for walls because we can use our neighbours. <laughs> yeah. So, and, yeah, our neighbours is... Oh, sorry, that's a whole other thing. No, we can just use our neighbours' walls. Yes. Um, as it happened, we were next to a fire escape and didn't have neighbours. Well, no, we do. We've got, we've got Cobra Cords, yeah. which is a man who's just selling telephone cords. <laughs> but is, he, is, fine. he is a lovely man. He's very nice. And he kindly swapped booths, that, booths with us. So because, we could have a wall. So we could have a neighbouring wall that I could attach our sign to, because otherwise it was like... I was trying to prop a, a, a folded up cardboard box with our logo written on it with cut out bits of paper. I had to cut out bits of paper on a crowded train. I, was, I, actually, I actually did a rather good job. Oh, I love this because you were cutting out uh, letters on a piece of paper on a crowded train on a table while a man opposite you was on a laptop. Yep. Everyone, all the tables around me. To be fair, I started on my laptop. I got my laptop out with all the laptop people. I sent some important emails and they closed it and started doing cutting and sticking. <laughs> and I think a few people were like, what is, what is going on? You were telling me that you wanted to tell them, like, I can do laptop things as well. I'm <laughs> yeah. just, I got, I got a job. I'm multidisciplinary. But yeah, thank you so much for coming and watching 
this little podcast uh, hopefully have a nice evening we've played some great stuff we have indeed uh, although oh, I'd be sad if we moved on without my analogy that our booth was you know in the sims where you buy like a really expensive piano <laughs> yeah and then you just can't afford walls or <laughs> it's kind of exactly what we did but without the piano uh, <laughs> We are going to be talking about a whole bunch of board games we have played today. We're going to be talking about the heavy wood of Lignum, uh, the heaviest, most exhausting game we've played in some time. A family game about murdering uh, people called Huns, which we love a great deal. We've played Holding On, The Troubled Life of Billy Kerr, a game about talking to a man on uh, a hospital deathbed and figuring out his life, which we found very interesting. We've played Rising Five, Runes of Asteros, where Paul completely... Uh, no. I can't swear on this podcast. Uh, we have it's played fine. Harvest Dice, a roll and write about farming vegetables. Uh, we've played Five Minute Chase, a game which, to quote the woman who played the demo before us, gave me anxiety. Uh, and wow. we've played Band Manager. Yes. Paul and I were in a band. It was the funniest game I have played, uh, and I will say no more. Before we leap in, though, we should probably mention the fact that up, up on the website today, which many of you won't have seen, hopefully not, hopefully not taking a break to watch a half an hour video whilst you're on Expo, <laughs> we, we've just reviewed uh, War of yeah. the Ring, the two-player <sighs> Lord of the Rings epic. Very famous, huge, very long board game, like the books. Yeah. It's full of characters, full of things that happen. And we won't go into much detail on it, but I do like to double cover things that we cover in videos a little bit, just because I know there are lots of people who are still unaware that we do anything other than a podcast. So what are the important things to get across about our War of the Ring video? It features me wearing the shortest bathrobe imaginable. Yep. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and that was inspired by the fact that I had to answer the door to a builder wearing the shortest bathroom <laughs> imaginable without any, anything on underneath it and have a, a very quite long, detailed technical conversation with him, <laughs> which did take about four minutes before it stopped being very weird. Like the guy from uh, Futurama, the captain, I forget yeah, his name. It was, yeah, it was exactly like that, but not buff. Brannigan, thank you. Uh, yes, uh, other things, other very important game-related facts about our War of the Ring video. <laughs> we made a, a Sauron's Tower out of feta cheese. Yes, we did. I think that's about all the important bases. Yeah. Uh, if you would like to uh, watch that, uh, then hey, give it a shot, because I think it's one of the video reviews I'm most proud of. Yeah, recently. I think it's really great, and it's a fantastic, strange, huge game. It's the sort of thing where you might never actually play this game, but it's one of the few reviews we've done where I'm like, yeah, watch the review, because... Hopefully it'll give you enough of a sense of what it's like that you might never need to play it. It was a real pleasure to have lots of commenters on YouTube saying like, oh, I've been playing this game for six years. This review is spot on, oh. which is always like, Mwah. so thank you very much. Uh, Matt? <sighs> Let's Lig talk Lignum. Uh. So, all right, what, what is Lignum? I haven't played this, you two have. It's about words? Well, Lignum's no. kind of become no, a bit, what? no. All right. It's about woods. Woods. Wood. <laughs> words. <laughs> Did you actually get that wrong? I, I spent like a week thinking it was a game about words. Since when does a game about words come in a box that is about I a don't foot know. by a That's foot and weighs really a ton? Confused. Full I was of like, wood. how is this a word a game? A word game where all of the letters are made of wood. I mean, actually, that sounds quite good. So Let's I'm not bury the lead. Lignum is the ugliest game we've played in years. Yeah, no, it's, it is. And to be fair, though, we picked up a copy of Lignum, I believe. Wasn't it here last year? Yeah, maybe. Or no, it was PAX Unplugged. So I'm getting, I get, all conventions blur together like yeah, a homogenous. They really do after a while. The best thing about, uh, it, Lignum is a tremendously ugly German game about uh, being lumberjacks and running competing lumberjack industries and then uh, having stress headaches because you don't have enough wood uh, or food or firewood or workers or money or time or friends. It's a complex, fiddly Euro game that involves wood, and the people who love wood, and the things you can do with wood. And boy, what can you do with wood? You can dry it. <laughs> oh, you're kidding me. You can cut it. 
you can sell it, and you can burn it. So is this about the, the actual wood process wait, of wait, wait, I've wait. got some wood and I treat the wood and I varnish the wood? No, it's similar. Yeah, you can't so varnish it. That's probably, they'll probably add that at some it's point. It's too exciting. It's too exciting. There is my favourite name for an expansion ever, which is the new edition of Lignum you can get. comes with the joinery expansion. Uh, you can join wood, it turns out, into large structures. You can, yeah, you can build buildings. You can. With wood. Did you uh, know that? Did anyone know that? <laughs> it's mad. Uh, so the way this game works is, it's actually, if people have played, um, oh, Sugar, what's the Japanese game? Takedo. If people have played Takedo, and you know, you're walking through Japan, and you're going to hot springs, and you're eating a meal, well, Lignum is like, I've got no money, and I'm walking down a path, and I need to buy everything I'm walking past, and I can't afford any of it. Yeah, I'm just gonna say, just to bury the other lead, I actually really liked it. I quite enjoyed um, it. It's just, it's one of those frustrating things, and I think actually when we were handed a copy by the publisher at a convention, he was like, this is good, but like, you're probably gonna hate it because it's not like your sort of thing in terms of the visuals, so don't be too mean. If you just hate it, just please don't just say, <laughs> tell everybody you hate it. And it was like, oh, but then we opened it and we're like, this is so ugly. Yeah, it was <laughs> so um, ugly. Also, Lignum, I think when we signed at the start going, ah, oh, Lignum, it's partly because we intended to play it for such a long time that I carried it internationally in my bag with me for like a long time. It's traveled. Our copy oh, yeah, of Lignum no, has came, been around the world. It came to the Gathering of Friends yeah, with us and just I, sat I took in it to box. North America. It's a heavy game. It is the size and weight of an infant. <laughs> is, <laughs> uh, so yes, you have to run these, um, you run a logging industry, but it's the Takedo mechanic where Players are all on a path, and you can go to any space along that path, but you can't go backwards. Mm. So maybe you stop at the space which lets you hire the big beefy dudes who will carry the wood from the forest to, um, to your like, to your sawmill, yeah. where you can dry it and stuff. However, and immediately this is where it becomes a headache, you have to hire those dudes to carry wood before you hire the guys who chop down wood. Yeah. So you might have loads of guys ready to carry logs, but then if no another one comes to cut down the trees. to buy the so guys who cut the trees. You might also be like, oh, I'm gonna get a sawyer. Do you have any saws? No. Yeah. There's like, it's a multi-stage process where, Paul, do you want to dry wood? You can't, because there's no room in your drying I, house. I immediately, like, I can see this in my head, and I can see this is the, when I am at my worst with Eurogames is doing this very simple, I need this to do this, to do this, to this, and somebody just chops you out of the process in yeah. the middle, and then you have a migraine. You there's just... enough, there was enough give here, especially because you've got these little pools of employees, and yeah, you've got people who cut down trees, you've got people who gather the trees, then you've got people who, who yeah who then chop up the trees into wood that you Don't try sell. and undersell it. There's also three ways to get wood from your wood pile to your, you can yeah. send it down the river. Yeah, that's a, awesome. You can, I, I love it, that. Is it? No, it is. But you can send it on a cart, which requires hay to feed the animal. Yes. Don't need an animal. You can just carry it. But your cart can only be used twice and then it breaks, I think. That's you can use it. a sled, but only in winter. Yeah. And no one also, also no one works for you in winter. Also, do you have enough food in winter? The weird, lignum was really, really clever but what drove me nuts about it is it's in most euro games it's like oh what's the most efficient way to have a train whereas in lignum it was more like do you have the six things on this checklist otherwise you will starve yeah it was it was unbelievably brutal actually just it's not the sort of game where it's like oh do you, do you have like three people sawyers and no saws oh well you can't cut any wood but 
you can get your money back because they go, I understand, boss. Here's my wages back. I'm just going to go home. It's like, no, you've just ruined it. And now wow. you're maybe going to starve. It was unbelievable. Like in the first round, it even says in the manual, it's like, try and make some money in the first round, otherwise you're going to get into trouble. And I was like, yeah, whatever. I'm going <laughs> to... I run like, a business in real life. I like I sell one bit of wood and then I'm going to put all this wood and it's going to make so much money in round two, round three. And then I was just like, I'm so poor. I cannot do anything. I can't buy anyone to carry my trees. I can't... Oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. Well, you were also in trouble in the second round because you put all your wood in a river. You I chopped it all, it all down and rolled it into a river and walked away. I love that, though. There's a mechanic whereby, like, you carry a guy. It's like you give a man a fish and he's got a fish. But if you give a man a pound coin, then he will carry a piece of wood to your house. But yeah, like, he will carry it 20 miles. If you to... give a man a pound coin and as many rafts as you have... He will somehow corral these rafts down the river like oh, a cowboy I, this is, of wood. This is, uh, I, I'm such a nerd. This is properly, like it's a real log thing. rolling and sending logs down rivers is super cool because it's really hard, really dangerous. A lot of people died. You, like it's still a thing in Canada is like dancing there, on there is a whole. There is a song about it that is a cultural touchstone. <laughs> I am not kidding. And on Canada Day, people sing it and play it and it's got this... Off-topic animated video, which is just log rollers, basically how sexy they are. <laughs> anyway, back to Lignum, so which the, is not. But the cool thing about rivers that Lignum doubles down on, and this is the last thing I have to say about it. It's interesting, it's heavy. We haven't played it enough to give it a real verdict. It's ugly. Um, it's ugly. <laughs> it is ugly. Yeah, he knows. Um, so the thing about sending logs down rivers is it, take, it doesn't... It takes a full turn, a full yeah. season, for it to arrive at your sawmill. So you have, you get it all for free, but later, and then there's the planning cards, which are the sort of mechanic that a lot of people talk about. You can get discounts on this game that's insanely difficult and expensive. You can get a discount on chopping wood, you can get more firewood, you can get more food, but when do you get it? Yeah. And it's like, you have to decide. And it's never allowed to be immediate. It's no. like, you can have this amazing bonus, but you can't have it now. You can have it in any of the upcoming seasons. So when do you pick, Matt? Well, you know, and then it's like, uh, I think next summer I'm gonna have a killing on this. And then you just gotta either get it ready seasons ahead or hope that things, yeah, you were getting really stressed playing it because you were really trying and I was just like, I enjoyed it, but it was because of the nature of it going around the map and you picking up things, and then when, because it was two players, every time you jumped ahead, I could just think, well, I could try and chase you, or I could just walk around picking up all the sleds and, <laughs> and just carrying around with huge amounts of equipment and then trying to sell it in the shop. Yeah, you lost though, didn't you? Like a womble. I was a womble. A capitalist womble. I did lose. That's the thing. I did lose. And that, and that was the thing. is because you were having a really stressful time because you're like, there's so many things to plan ahead for and it's too complicated. And I was like, don't worry about it. But then you won. I mean, yeah. If there's Sorry. a capsule review of Lignum, it's that I was having the worst time and yeah. won. Because that's it. You won. But then the next planning. morning when I was like, was it, was it worth it? Was it worth expending all of that brain energy just so you could beat me? And you were like, absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> so, so maybe there's the mini review of Lignum. Uh, Paul and I really enjoyed Arkwright last podcast episode. Yeah, we did, which uh, is... Another game of sort of planning and... Deep, uh, complex, lots of different things going on, but I feel more forgiving. Yeah. Like Arkwright, you do things, and if they don't entirely work out, it doesn't... It sounds like Lignum is so many dependencies that if you trip over, you fall. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, we should move on because we've got a whole bunch of games to cover. Yeah. Mm. Briefly, should we talk about a nice little surprise hit, a French game that's coming out, ooh, I think in a couple of weeks. Um, mm. It was a prototype that did the round of France, won a bunch of awards, and it's now published, and it's called Huns. Huns. 
I really like this. I like this a lot. So like, yeah, I think it might be the only game on the list where it's like, this is about to come out, we played it at the con. Mm. It's pretty, pretty good. You tried it this morning, didn't you? Yeah, we did, because I just, I was drawn by the art, and it's one of those games where the art is all so correct that uh, I'm like, they probably got a lot of other things right too, and they did. Wow. Um, so, Huns is a family game about being Huns, about being invading sort of hordes of people who, who live a nomadic lifestyle and go and take everything. Um, which I like because I feel like we, as a hobby, sometimes fall into the German attitude of like, it's mm. a family game, so it has to be very gentle, there can be no conflicts. Whereas Huns is like, it's a family game, so you're going to screw dad. <laughs> <laughs> I love in the rules description, one of the things you can do is you can curse people with curse cards. Oh. And it's just like, oh, here's a bad thing that's happening to your tribe. And one of the key rules was like, you can keep being given as many of these as people want. <laughs> if you want, you can just have all of them. One person can just get given all of the curses, and it's like, yeah, this is, this is very much a family game. <laughs> um, but I love that, because it's, yeah, you're right. It's like, it's a tendency to be like, what do families want? And it's like, cutesy fun stuff where I was working together. It's like, no, actually, sometimes that's what adults want when they become too acutely aware of the world. Kids <laughs> want to, like, nick dads as treasures and, and attack yep. people and win. Yep. And yep. Like, it's done in a really kind of soft way. Even the curse card, which sounds horrible, has a, a, the art on it you pointed out, which is this kid oh, yeah. standing there, his horse has clearly fallen over or died. He's just going, what? His hands in the air, he's just going, what the hell? What happened to my horse? Yeah, so the way this works is, um, it's not too, it's not so interesting compared to some of the other games we have to talk about, so I might uh, give it just a quick overview. Yeah. But um, yeah, on your turn, you roll five dice. The five dice relate to five different decks, five different things that Huns like. So it might be like equipment, it might be raiding, it, uh, curses, not that they like curses, but they like their competitors being cursed, I guess. Yeah. Uh, treasures and people, people who might work with you. So you roll these dice, big King of Tokyo chunky dice, and then you might get like a three on treasure. Or, and then players draft these dice, and every dice you get, you choose between either, you get that many uh, sort of pillaged goods of that color. So if you take the yellow three, you get three things, you can put them on your carts, you can send completed carts away for points. Or you can, rather than taking three treasures, you can look at three cards from that deck and pick one. And the cards all interact in different ways. Mostly though, they go next to your player board and there are other things you have to fill up. So rather than just filling carts with treasures and sending them away for points, you might get a really cool person, like your awesome, um, uh, the scavenger? Or what the, miser. the miser. The yeah. miser. Um, where the miser will work for you, but first you have to fill up his card. Her, so was her. She her, was her. something, uh, I think she was May the Miser. And May yeah, the Miser. You fill her card up and then it meant that after you did that, at the start of the round, you could raid your own <laughs> reserves. So basically, cubes you'd already use in the game, you could just at the start of every round take one from there and put it on a new card. It's like, well, let's reuse this. Thing. Yeah, it, was, it felt like, what if King of Tokyo, but a Euro game? I felt that, yeah. I felt those was the same fun of rolling the dice and picking them and having strategies, but in a way that was kind of light. Everyone was just ruining each other on purpose all the time, yeah, but so it never felt annoying. The curse cards were absolutely fascinating to me. So one thing I dislike in, in Euro games and planning games is when uh, there's a sort of take that card yeah. that messes with me. Yeah. Mm. Like that annoys me for like, oh, okay, the game says plan this. And then the game goes and sticks its finger and yeah. messes up my plan. So there was a fascinating point in Huns where you, I got a curse card played on me for the first time and it was awful because all the curse cards are unique and it was like, oh, if you don't fill this card with treasure, then what was it? It was like all the dice that are threes count as twos, which is insane. And I yeah. was like, oh, come on. I, I had my plan. I'm building something. And then I got hit by another curse card, which was like, oh, no, all your employees want more stuff. And suddenly it was like a key turned in my brain. And I was like, okay, this is just a mess. And it was like, yeah, I'm planning, but it was, 
You know, I was just talking to a friend of ours about this actually. Like, you know, when you go on holiday and it's like bad and that's annoying, but when it gets really bad, it just gets funny. You just start laughing because yeah. it's like, well, this is just a disaster. Yeah. That's what it felt like for me. And it could because it was quick. Mm. It was like a 20 minute game. I found actually it's a small thing and it's kind of hard to get a real grip on. But one, the one thing I noticed about it was the fact that a lot of the time with this sort of game where you're building a little thing and putting it in front of you and being like, I'm going to do this, then I'm going to do this. And you're making a nice little engine. I find that they often either go on too long or they end at the point where you feel like you're just starting to get it going. Yeah. And, and I find that with a lot of Euro games. I'm like, yep. this is a great game. And I look and it's like, it's the last round. And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to make all this money in 10 rounds. Um, with this, I found it, it, it ended at exactly the right time. When I realized when I saw when it was going to end, I was like, oh, it seems a bit soon. But then it was bang on. But the key thing for this game, which is pretty amazing, I find the sign of a good game is when I finish playing, I immediately want to play it again. Yep. With this, we were about two thirds of the way through and I was having fun and I didn't think I was doing badly, but I just wanted to, I wanted to play it again. I wanted to start again because I was like, this is great. I yeah, love I, I love the theme. I think Huns is like a really unusual, it's not something I've seen before. I'm sure it's been done before because it's board games, everything's been done before. But um, yeah, like especially for a family game where it's like, yeah, this is just another people and we're going to kind of like celebrate them, even the treasure cards and equipment. You know, it was stuff that, I mean, I know a bit about like sort of old like Kazakh cultures and it was all, it was all, you know, true, like, you know, the names of the characters. And to have that in a game for kids, I think he's awesome. It's like, mm. no, let's not placate the kids with bunnies. We'll do cartoony people, but it's not going to be your people. It's going to be another country. Yeah. And I just thought that was really, I thought it was neat. And I, I thought it was a cool game. All the cards had unique art, yeah. So that might be over an asthma day, um, but yeah, it's also just coming out in a week or two. So if you're curious, I expect we might do a review. So that's Huns, H-U-N-S. Right, let's talk about one of the most exciting games we played today. Well, certainly interesting. Let's talk about giving questionable medical care to an old oh, man. The, the trouble, <laughs> am I getting this right? Life. The Troubled Life of Billy Kerr. Uh, the Billy game is called Kerr. Holding On, subtitle, The, the troubled, troubled Life, life of Billy, Billy Kerr. Kerr. Because Billy Kerr is not very well, he's in hospital, he's had a heart attack on a plane from somewhere to somewhere else, uh, and he needs to talk to somebody, and who he needs to talk to is you and all your players playing cooperatively, and he has a story to share. I don't think that's entirely true, though, Paul. I don't think, I'm not sure if he does really? need to talk. Well, well, he does need to talk to you. That's revealed after the first round, and that made me feel a lot better about it. But I, I had some strange feelings in the first round of this because it's this bizarre mechanic. It's, it's, I really enjoyed it, and it's really interesting. But you have this situation where you're all working as nurses on a ward. And yeah. Basically, it means that you have to be, throughout the day, it's, it's a very, it's, it's, it's like the least NHS thing I've ever seen. You're working on a ward where a whole team of nurses are basically looking after one guy throughout the day. It's like seven of us. Yeah. It's like, it's incredibly, and he gets a lot of care. He gets very looked after. But cards come up, three cards come up every day, and then you have to assign different nurses to go and deal with that. And you have to choose each time between whether you want to give, like, Palliative care or medical care. Yes. Yes. Which was where I was like, this is interesting, because it's this idea of, like, you look at what the situation is. Sometimes it's like he needs medical care yeah. right now. So you, you think, all right, let's give him well, medical care. Well, no, hang on. He always needs medical care. His yeah, condition no, only true. really but, deteriorates. Uh, the, yeah, the amount of it varies. And some, sometimes he has a really bad time. He's really unwell. Yeah. And other times he's sort of, he wants to talk and but he's feeling a little better and he's sharing things. But here's the bizarre mechanic. His like sort of um, uh, status, his like health, which is a numbered track, is to some extent, the timer of the game. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And yet, so we were using it like a resource. Like, you know, you'd flip a card and it's like, oh, he's in trouble. And the art is like Billy Kerr in bed, like with a big nosebleed and he looks like he's having a heart attack. And we're like, yeah, but he's basically fine. <laughs> he's so far up the track, he and can this, have this nosebleed. <laughs> yeah. This is the interesting problem of the game in the fact that, and I don't think it's a, a, 
a bad problem. I just think it's interesting. And the mm. fact that you have a situation where... I think where it flies in the face of the story they're trying to tell. Because I think we'll get to the story in a minute. And yeah. I, I found the story genuinely moving. Well, this is the thing. I think what's interesting about it is it's trying to be a game about... Um, about care and about like you know somebody dying and memories and being you know these last days and that's yes. really cool and it's telling a story of somebody who is probably about to die and wanting to tell some stories about their life which but is it, awesome but it, it, let me say what I'm going to say go on, go, on, go on go on but the, the problem is it's fundamentally the game for players is a narrative mechanic right which means like the hook for you is not making sure this person is, gonna, is, well. is well or going to die quietly and nicely and happily because they're not a real person and it's hard to have that connection with a deck of cards. Maybe it's not possible, but it means that you, what you want as the nurses is the story. And it means you have this thing where it's like, <laughs> nurses, Billy, he's, he might be having another heart attack and you're like, shh, look, let's not give him any morphine. Let's just pat him on the shoulder and ask him about when he was a kid because I really yeah. want to hear the end of that story. <laughs> no, so we've got a man dying and it's like, we're just like, let's just keep squeezing him for anecdotes. <laughs> and like, well, doctors, well, yeah. should we be looking after him? He'll be fine. I want to I hear the end of this story. So we, it sounds juicy. We did have it hinted that because it's a scenario-based game and you need to play it multiple times to see all the story fragments, we'll explain that in a minute. But... In defense of the game, it, yes. was, it was teased to us that in later scenarios, the, quote, head nurse starts coming up and going, what are you doing? Oh, wow. Okay, interesting. Yeah, yes. And then she yeah. starts pressuring you. Yeah, I mean, and there is there was the thing of, like, uh, I mean, to, to echo your point as well about the health going down, about you can you can make a mistake. There are a certain number of mistakes you can make before the hospital gets in trouble. <laughs> yeah. Which, again, you can game because the hospital sort of goes wrong once. That's fine. <laughs> as well, that's the as thing. It's, like, it's, it's a kind of inherent in the fact that it's a game. It's yeah. the fact that you are then trying to game this thing, being like, look, these, look, These look. things are out of this deck. It's like you have to give him actual medical care once every day otherwise you get a, a red mark basically if you get twice you, you lose the game because you've all been fired so it's that thing of you gave me it being like look we've already given him some medical care this morning <laughs> that's like, enough just because he's ill again I mean well, the most legally we're fine <laughs> by far the most horrifying thing for me was you know those event cards that come out the deck and they all just show Billy like and it's funny because he's always in the same hospital bed so the art is only ever sort of him like looking startled or looking wistful or whatever mm. but occasionally you flip an event card and it's him looking you know, like really nervous about his condition. And we noticed that the worse his sort of health was, those cards would have different effects. Mm. And we're like, hey, if he's a bit scared of death, he becomes a bit more talkative. <laughs> so let's talk about that. Quit. No. <laughs> I would say, though, I would say, I, was, I spent the whole game thinking this and thinking like, it wasn't so much that I was sitting there going, this is problematic. I just thought, this is kind of interesting. And uh, uh, darkly amusing as a kind of a mashup between two things. But at the end of the first, this is a slight spoiler, but at the end of the first little mini tutorial thing, it, he says, it kind of has a bit of dialogue on some cards, which I thought was really good, being like, he's clearly got something on his chest and he's very much anxious about some mm. stuff in his life and he wants to talk about it and try and solve it. So then within that context, I think from that point, it was like, okay. And even actually, what, another thing I thought was really interesting, because I, I saw that it was this big deck of scenarios and I yeah. played the game and I thought, eh, that's fun. But I thought, what well, I want to play it for loads. But in the second scenario, the objective was just totally different. It wasn't even like, it was do a different thing within yeah. the same mechanics, yeah. which I thought was interesting. Yeah, so we should uh, explain what we've been dancing yep. around, yep. which is the, the coolest mechanic. So as you talk to him and as you find like windows in your day to like go over and give him a biscuit and drill him for stories, uh, you, you get cards from a deck which are all illustrated. They have a little quote on the front and a piece of art on the back. And these are incomplete memories. And it's art which is very foggy. And the only thing you can really see clearly on these pieces of artwork where he might be like, you know, like, oh, I was so nervous. And you'll flip it. 
and you'll only see him because it's not a complete memory. And we saw him like on his knees and immediately the whole table of players was like, oh, he's proposing. And I was like, oh, really? I thought he had a gun. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but some of these cards are more ambiguous than others. Yeah. And so you get these foggy memories of like his life and then they have a jigsaw on the art, which enables you, if you were to play long enough, to assemble the whole story of his life. It's like If, if you get enough of those uh, cards out, because obviously you're pulling these out kind of at random and sometimes you just, you don't get to see the whole picture of a thing though, which is also like you can play a whole scenario. Yeah. And not assemble one of those pictures yeah, and not and, know what it is. And this is the thing, if you were to, if everyone in this room were to play it, then they would probably see a different window of yeah. Billy's mm. life. Like we saw a bit about his childhood and some of his politics, but then there's other stuff to do with his family. Mm. And, and it, it's also the fact that like, I mean, the art in this is beautiful as well. Yes. Like, it uses very broad strokes, very painterly kind of things to get very, very vague impressions. And especially on these like faint yeah. memories where the outsides, you can almost make out silhouettes of people, but it's like somebody's just painted people like it's really quickly It's got that sort of memory-ish kind of style that it's yeah. impressionistic. You're getting a hint of something. And then it has that very cool mechanic where some of those memories, like for all of these cards that are just him somewhere in a blurry background, there is an equivalent that is the proper full detailed picture. Yeah. And you occasionally get to pull those out of the deck. Mm. The, the win condition down. for the first scenario was to have enough lucid conversations with him and then try and map these up with incomplete fragments. Mm. So that yeah. it was like, you know, you have the vague shot of him like in a punk and like what looked like he was in a crowd. And then we got the complete memory, spoilers of one card in the game, that he was at a gig, he was at a punk gig. And then it felt just so rewarding. And what's nice is that, you know, you don't really think about it, but there's a lot of scenes in one person's life. And it yeah. was amazing just trying to be like, oh, that character from that gig, we know, you know, him or her. And I that... think the, the biggest hook for me as well was the fact that when we were, it's a fun little thing to look at it and be like, oh, where's this, have we got this one? Oh yeah, we do, it overlays on that. And then but the, the biggest hooks for me were the fact that A, we started to realize that like pictures of people who, his friend, there was a friend and it's like, oh, that, that's that person, isn't it? And you realize that you're already starting to piece together bits of their life just by looking at people who come and go throughout it in these quite vague uh, painting yeah. images. But the thing I really loved was the fact that it was telling a story about a real life in a yeah. way. Obviously it's not a real character, but. I was quite surprised when some of the stuff started coming up in terms of the art. I was like, yeah. it was dealing with, it wasn't like a fantasy character in a fantasy world. It was dealing with real life historical it's things. attempted to make a narrative of a person's life. And the, an interesting thing I found as well that I, I didn't mention at the time, but I brought some of my own assumptions to that and the, the crowd scene where he's at a gig. Yeah. I looked at that and I immediately thought he's in a riot because it's just a picture of him sort of. I did the same thing. There was a scene where, because he, uh, he we think he grows up in a place which might have been like, uh, politically difficult yeah. and then there's a scene where he's like in a street and I thought it was a riot but again like then you overlay it and it's like a street party yeah and it was it loads of games give you fragments of story but I've not played a game before where the exciting thing about getting the bit of story is realizing how it connects in the spider web of everything yeah. else you've that's been really doing. interesting yeah. and also the fact that that's actually one of the things that does really actually land perfectly is the fact that yeah it's a it's a game i guess where you've got this this man you don't really know anything about and you are making judgments about what sort of person he is yeah mm -hmm. and that's especially if you know in, in the circumstances like that when you have an old man coming into a hospital and stuff you know you, yeah. you that's do probably what you do you quickly make judgments about everyone does humans do it's a very yeah. human thing so this idea of having a game where you're having conversations with someone and then gradually getting a picture of who they really are yeah is fascinating yeah and i mean yeah it's just interesting. I mean, it's, it shows how deep you can go if you just pick one specific thing. Like, is this a story about everyone? No, it's a story about a man. It's a story about an old man who grew up here, who had these political beliefs. And in doing that, like, rather than, I, I don't know, I feel like so many games are meant to be replayable and, and diverse and different every time. And it's like, no, this will be the same. It's one person. It's this. And it yeah. enables you to be kind of a lot more moving and a lot more... Because it's just 10 scenarios, which I guess you could just 
do all you in a blitz, row in yeah. a weekend with friends if you wanted to. And then once you've done that, that's it's like a book. You've read that book. Yeah. And it was very interesting. It was the, the distinction between giving medical care and palliative care and alternating between the two really was just like... Kind of, yeah, it's, it's like, are you going to make up your mind? Is this guy dying or are you saving him? What are you doing? Oh, we did hear the horrific story that um, it, initially the game's design, rather than having like all these beautiful memory cards that you gradually assemble, it was a game, it's the end of a man's life. He has dementia and he's losing memories one after another that are getting foggier. And then the person demoing the game was like, it was so sad and we had to... Because you were discarding <laughs> memories, you're just throwing stuff away. Yeah, and he was just like, it was the saddest thing yeah. I've ever played. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> you know, it, yeah. it's a hell of a thing. It's really interesting. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, do you want to? That's it. Any last I'm thoughts? just saying it's, it's interesting. It's really interesting. Boom, right. there you go. Uh, that was Holding On at the Troubled Life of Billy Kerr. These guys have been very nice listening to us talk about something quite serious. Shall we talk about Band Manager? Band Manager Ugh. is... So you weren't there for this. No, I was... Quinns and I and our friend uh, Clark joined a band and uh, they kicked me out of the band quite quickly. <laughs> I mean, I'm not surprised, but... I went solo and I had two fans, which is two more than they had. <laughs> Why did they kick you out of the band? Did you forget the amps again? So, basically, yes, but I had some balloons because I started bringing balloons to gigs. That is so Paul. So, all right, all right, I will explain. So, there are, in a band, obviously, you need a couple of different things. You need equipment, you need uh, some kind of promotion, you need instruments, you need riffs. Between all of you... No matter what kind of music you play, yes, riffs you are always a vital need component. these things. So, everybody has hands of cards. Check out my it's, flute riff. It's, right, there is a flute in the game. <laughs> There's, if you want to play Celtic music, or if you want to play metal, you can combine metal and flutes. It's been which done. Which is fine. It's been yeah, done, it's I'm been sure. Done. But what you're, we all have hands of cards. Um, we all collectively can sort of play semi-co-op whereby we want to play lay cards down in as many of the same combinations as possible to advance up this gig track. So it's like, oh, if I've got one of each color at this level, I can start to fill in this level, which means we get more fans, we get more equipment, we draw more cards, which allows us to play more cards next turn, which is great. But obviously, you might not have all the cards you need yourself. If you do, you could do a whole round solo and just have a solo gig, have some fans. If not, that's me doing a solo. Exactly how apparently. it goes. Thanks, Matt. Um, if it not, you've got to negotiate with people around the table, like Quinn. Yeah, like Quinn's. Can you bl bring your synth? Because yeah. <laughs> I don't have any instruments this time, <laughs> and I've got some fans who'll come to the gig, but I don't have any. This was the, the hilarious. Like initially, the guy taught us the game, and he's like, "Well, you know, if you all go on tour together, then you can all, you know, play cards." And then it was, you know, like Clark's like, "And my tour bus," and me being like, "Yeah," and my. God, what was my promotion? It was like it was like banner ads on a website. <laughs> With my tour bus, yes, and my banner ads. <laughs> and my synth and your... I actually had you some had blues music. riffs. Blues, yeah, that to was To start it. with, which so is a sensible The Paul Dean Quinn's blues banner ad <laughs> explosion. And uh, then at the end of each round, what you keep some of the cards well, in, okay. so you take so, some back. So this is my favorite bit. So like, <laughs> then on the next round, you know, we got some stuff. And then it's like, well, hang on, we can do that. I don't need Paul's cards. Clark, do you want to go on tour? And Clark's like, yeah. And then it was the Clark and Quinn's blues explosion. There's no, there's nothing linking the bands together. It's just like, can you play this hand of it's cards? It's some stroppy people who are like, oh, I don't need you this turn. I've got everything I need. But and then next turn, it's like, do you want to go on tour with me? No, I don't now, because it kicks me out. <laughs> it makes really, sense. I need your from, dad's bus. It's it, almost, it makes sense, but... It's, I think it's, I don't know who it's from, but I... I was really shocked. I was like, hang on, there's enough in here that's genuinely genius. Like, this is a negotiation game of like, 
equipment and needing equipment. But here's the first area where it sort of fell down and, and couldn't stand up back up again. It was like, when you go on tour, you lose almost everything. <laughs> yes. You're allowed to reserve one card you've played that's yours. Doesn't have to be yours. So like we went on tour and then it's like, you know, as we sort of break up the tour at the end, Clark's like, yeah, I'm having your synthesizer. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, and yeah, yeah it's the, the idea that like you lose all of your equipment. Including your riffs. Yeah. Your riffs? Riffs? And, yeah and, and your fans. Well, yeah. so the fans are like, they're like almost like victory points. They come into your deck and to do higher level gigs, you need fans because you have to play those at the higher levels. Yeah. So like to complete a gig, you need people to turn up, it turns out. But, and this is the best rule. Like because you lose all the cards you play in a tour and at higher levels, you need fans to get to the higher levels, but then you lose them. And then the, the guy teaching the game pointed out, yeah, you're selling out. So it's like, you need those fans to do the higher gigs, but then they do leave you when you do the higher gigs. Yeah. Like the bigger gigs. But you Which is actually really elegant. And you want to bank some of them. The thing is, you get them, and you want to bank them, but once you bank them, you can't bring them to gigs anymore. And you want to bank more fans than anyone else to win, so it ends up being like, I'm holding on to my fans, and it's like, could you invite your fans to our gig, please, so that we can have a gig <laughs> at all? And you're like, no, I want to put my one fan in the bank. <laughs> yeah, I want to encase my fan in carbonite. And and then. You, I just guess, like the idea of being like, I'm a musician with loads of fans, but I don't have well, any musical instruments. On that point, how about I borrow yours? <laughs> and then that's how bands happen. Isn't so it? guess how many fans you need to win the game. More than one, or oh, more than none. 27. 27? <laughs> and you got two. I got, I got up to four. I think I got eight people who liked my music. But it's not even the same music. It's the thing where you go on tour and then you lose the cards, but then you get dealt out a new card. So it's like, oh yeah, we went on our hip hop tour, came back like playing Celtic music. I don't, not It's quite. a very like, yeah, a very mercenary approach to music. I'll tell you it? the and best. Like, I'm going to make it big as a band, it's, even if I have to change genre. It's kind of crazy nonsense. You but know, you say that though, I've actually been in bands like that when I was young, where they're like, <laughs> we, they, it's not like we want to play music and be, it's like we want to be famous. What's the shortcut to that? What Flutes. should we do? No, and it would be people like, I was in a band once. They're like, should we all wear masks? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know story. about this. What was the band called? It, it was, what was it called? Was it called Tumb Tumbling Dice? No. What no. Was it? <laughs> you were in a band called Tumbling Dice? Maybe I was. I was in a band called Tree Frog. I was in a band called Possibly Atomic. One of the bands, we recorded an e a four-track EP that I still have somewhere, and it's actually not bad. A, a, <laughs> Moving on. A close friend of mine uh, who actually entered the charts when he was Ooh. very young with a band called Cultural Ice Age. Which wow. I, I adore. Uh, Ian, love you. Uh, yeah, but the, the, my, speaking of mercenary things, favorite thing about Band Manager, a lot of the materials are stuff you can print cheaply because it's like band merchandise. So one of the expansions added tokens which were plectrums, and they were like a resource because obviously plectrums, very cheap. Also, the board is a t-shirt. Yeah. This is actually not bad. You buried the lead there. Oh my god! The people on the listening to the podcast. It's an actual t-shirt. Yes, yes, it's an actual t-shirt. Yeah. You can wear you can it. Wear on your I mean, body. I'm, presumably it's like one size. But yeah, the audience when I said it was a t-shirt, mix of people going, "Oh, that's clever," and people going, Ugh. <laughs> "Yeah." I mean, that is very much the how much do you care about your game is getting grubby divide, just drawn in the land, <laughs> drawn in the sand right there. Uh, I, I thought about it. if you spill something on the. On the t-shirt? Yeah. That's less bad than spilling it on a board. Yeah, you can, you can wash, wash it. the t-shirt. Yeah, yeah so maybe true. I'm wrong. Yeah. Washable board games coming. <laughs> okay, uh, we might have to talk about the rest of the games we played uh, tomorrow because it might be time. How much oh, time wow. do we have left? 
for our special feature. Well, we, it's, we, technically we have seven minutes left, but also these, we started 10 minutes late, so probably have about a quarter of an hour left. Okay. Ooh. What is the special feature, Quentin? Well, Smith? I've got some, some dirty laundry I'd like to air um, on the podcast now, um, which is the fact that earlier this year, or maybe the end of last year, Quinns was reviewing Pandemic Legacy Season 2. And he had already run through his version of the game and opened it up and covered it in stickers and stuff. And so obviously, when he came to film the review, I bought myself a copy. And I said, well, it makes perfect sense for you to, um, for you to, you know, use mine as the basic shots. So, you know, I gave him my copy and it meant he could film the review with a clean board, perfect. The problem was, I then asked for it back about a month later and he said, oh no, I don't have it, you've taken it, you've taken it back. And I was like, no, I didn't take it back. And I think what transpired is that Quinn's, because he'd finished with his Pandemic Legacy Season 2 game, had obviously thrown it away. And then he'd forgotten that he'd thrown it away, Whoa, okay, saw sorry, it in Matt, his Matt, flat, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop and you decided Matt, to throw Matt, my copy me, away. Matt, sorry. <laughs> Matt. It cost me £65. <laughs> Before Just... we proceed any further, I have a surprise. You see, I used to play board games with someone who is a lawyer. Clark, would you like to come up here, please? <laughs> Round of applause for Clark Vasco. <laughs> Hello, Clark. Hello. Clark, uh, would you like to introduce yourself to the audience? Yeah, I'll first go through. You said to me, you're a lawyer, aren't you? <laughs> I said... Yes, I specialize in the regulation of medical technologies that alter DNA in some way. <laughs> and then you said, I've got a property dispute, can you help me with it? <laughs> and then kind of walked away. So we'll see, we'll see how this goes. Uh, good, well, well listen, anyway. He threw my board game in the bin. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, was... the, the first thing I'd be wanting to know is that did you intend to permanently deprive it, Matt of his rightful property at that point? Uh, or at any point, really? No. No, okay, so we can, we can discount theft. <laughs> like, you, you, you don't have the mens rea, the guilty mind for, for the criminal act, so it's probably a civil suit that we're looking at. All right. So like, we're looking at a bailment, I think, where you temporarily transfer property to someone else's possession. You, I thought, hang on, I With, thought you were just gonna oh. come up and clear me. <laughs> no, 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 you, you open Pandora's box and now, now the law is here, my friend. But, so you've got a bailment, I think, where you've like, you, Matt has temporarily transferred possession of his property, yep. but not the ownership of that. And then the important thing here is that you usually say that you want it back because that's really how it would end, but it can end with destruction of said property if you expressly ask for that. So what I'd be interested to find out is, was there any implication that Matt wanted you to destroy <laughs> the game without returning it to him? I, I, you know, I can't remember. Right, okay. <laughs> So I, was, I was pretty expressively clear that I was looking forward to playing it and, and, did you, and finding did you, out if I liked it myself. And I do like it. Did you say that? I did, no, I did. That's why I asked for did it Did you back. say, don't destroy it? Well, I don't remember if I specifically told him not to destroy it. No. 
I just, I just, I thought it was implied with the fact that I said you can just borrow mine. You assumed. I did. Oh no, I did because I remember when he reviewed it, there was a sh- one of the shots in the reviews where he tears up one of the character cards, and I appeared in the comments underneath on the website and said, "Don't rip up my game. Right, okay, <laughs> that's my game." So there we are. I think, I think, yeah, that's fair then. So that in that point, we're looking at negligence in Bailman, um, <laughs> the part, the part of the the ba- the can you, Sorry, can you? Can you explain what embailment means again? So, so bailment is, is, is from a French legal term, and it, ba- it basically just means a lending. It's the legal term for oh, a loaning right. or a lending. Okay. And so you're looking at, in this case, I think, bailment for no reward, where you weren't... Sounds great. Yeah, you weren't giving any, any like, money to, to Quinn's for him to transport it anywhere. It's simply loaning for use, fit for purpose. So I carried to it to his house in a big bag on a bus. Right, yeah. So you'd done a lot of the legwork. Yeah. In that. Yeah. Right. Okay. I initially so, got confused because I thought I might have left it on the bus, but then I'm like, no, I only have well, one well, memory well, on the we, bus. But we don't know you didn't. That's no, the, we did. No, we, we don't. Dude, how do we? I know. <laughs> See, because in the in these cases, on the claimant to prove that. So we're looking at what's called the chain of causation to to have factual causation here. We had to prove that Quinn's definitely did this. That, that there's evidence that supports that. There was nothing that broke that chain of causation. There was no third party that was involved. There was no you know weird mitigating circumstances. I, love I suppose somebody else could have <laughs> stolen it from Quinn's house. <laughs> That's not outside the realms of possibility. Or maybe you gave it away when you were giving away all of your board games. <gasps> <laughs> but that's unlikely because you wouldn't give away a room when that happened. Yeah. <laughs> the idea that I destroyed this is less awful yeah. than giving it away. I'd be happier if it was out there somewhere, not just like in a landfill, untouched, unloved. <laughs> all of the boxes unopened. So you're looking at a duty of care. That's like the, if you if you um, have an obligation imposed on you, you're trying to say, okay. So here is like a, a, what a reasonable person, the steps they would take to maintain that property in the condition that it was given to them. I'm uh, nodding uh, profusely. Yeah, yeah. So basically, we're saying like, would a reasonable person, <laughs> when given a board game by a friend? throw it away after they'd finished using it. So, I've got, I'm a person with no stake in this. Both of you have got faces like 12 inches away from me. This is so good. <laughs> uh, sorry, what was the question? Would I, would a reasonable would person? Would a reasonable person? Do I have to answer that? Well, this is, it's on the claimant to prove that you've acted outside of that, to prove negligence, really. Okay, well, Matt, I, th- I don't know. Do you think it's unreasonable? Yeah, Can I you- think it's really unreasonable. <laughs> but then, Matt, would you, is this kind of behavior that you would expect from Quinn's? No. Okay, all right. He's never done it before. Right. And he better not do it again. <laughs> Because the, the only leg that Quinns would really have to stand on what is... What is happening? You're meant to be my lawyer. <laughs> I, I said I was a You haven't paid me anything. <laughs> oh, wait. <laughs> like, I'm literally working pro bono. How much money do I have to give you right now so that, like, somebody goes yes. to jail? Because okay. I can do that. No, civil, civil case. So, like, unless you, like, took it to a judge and they got really angry, like, you were really in contempt of court. For the benefit of the people... <laughs> okay. For the people listening to the podcast, I am now holding a crisp... <laughs> <20, laughs> I couldn't even say the word crisp, it's so awful. Because uh, it's a crumpled £20 note. Matt, will you please pass this to Clark? Paul, would you pass this to Clark? <laughs> I, I honestly, I don't want to take it because I think you'll need it for damages. 
Because li literally the only leg you would really have to stand on, I'm not taking a bribe. That's only, not a bribe! <laughs> the only leg you'd have to stand on is a, a defense of Valenti. Like, there's, so there's Valenti non fit injuria, which is to a willing person, no harm can be done. If Matt, for example, knew that you were completely unreliable, that in giving you his board game, you could expect something bizarre and unworldly to happen to it, like it would be destroyed, <laughs> then really, at that point, it said that, well, that's your fault then for giving <laughs> yeah, that person. If you've got friends like that, that's yeah, on you. Exactly. <laughs> but because, really, you're... I know, and I say this as your friend, you're a reliable young man. Like, mm, am I? You're, you're usually on time when we, when we meet up for things, but... Yep. So, <laughs> yeah, I think, like, really... I know I'm supposed to be your lawyer, but you're looking at restitution. No, 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 you're not anymore. You can leave it. <laughs> I mean, I kind of feel obliged to like uphold the law in this case, which is you, you don't have a leg to stand on. There's no contributory negligence on Matt's part. So really, you're looking at damages to restore it yep. to the, yep, the yep. point that it was before you were given it. Yep. You unless you can money? prove... No. Quinn's, you're not taking this money that you're bribing everyone with out of the, the kitty box for the merch stand, are you? Because that's not your money. <laughs> Just so no, we're... it's mine. You did put a lot of money in your pockets today whilst working on the merch stand, going, look, it's great, it's easy, you just put it in your pocket. <laughs> so I'm just wondering if that continued. Nope. <laughs> you might no. need this lawyer. In all serious. <laughs> hey, actually, this is a diff this is a non sequitur, mm. and I know you haven't prepared. But if I steal money from my own company, <laughs> yeah, that's that, called embezzlement. That, that literally is embezzlement. That's, that's what the word embezzlement means. Dictionary definition of embezzling. <laughs> I need the twenty pounds. Oh, you want your twenty pounds back? I want the company's twenty pounds back. <laughs> Can't believe you. Okay, yeah, so I'm, so, I'm sorry that I couldn't, you know, <laughs> be a bad lawyer and help you. That's great. I, I love the line, I know I'm your lawyer, but. <laughs> I just, you know, it's, I felt bad because it's such a clear. Also, this isn't a legal case. You take this to a court, they'll just be like, why have you brought this to a court? <laughs> you threw a board game away. I didn't, no, that's not the thing. We're, this whole, your honor, <laughs> this whole case. <laughs> relies on the assumption that I did throw it away oh, and I don't know yeah. if I did. Like, to, to be fair, like, if Matt cannot prove categorically that, that you did that, but then the question then becomes, what happened to the board game quiz? Yeah. Because you are still not returning an item to them that they, you, you, you're not completing your bailment. Matt has been under a lot of stress recently. And <laughs> oh, it is conceivable. He's handbagging, the fridge, he's handbagging me in the fridge. He's handbagging me in the fridge. He's putting my handbag in the fridge. Convincing me I'm going mad. You put that there. I did not! <laughs> it's gaslighting. Ah, uh, well, uh, I had to buy it again. It cost, the Pandemic Legacy Season 2 cost me £130 in total. What? Yeah, because I had to buy it twice. Because oh. the first one got put in the bin. Oh, no, no, you'd, you'd, only, you'd only pay damages equal to what the thing you destroyed. Like. Oh, yeah, but I, I just, yeah. Clark, no one wants to hear it, all right? <laughs> <laughs> we, it's, we've you owe me, does the, uh, we've got a jury here. Who thinks that Quinn's owes me £65? Wait, 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 wow. wait, no, 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 no. Who's seen Death of Stalin? What just happened in this room? <laughs> Initially, when you asked the question, like 20 people put their hands up, it's and everyone gonna, else was like- It's not gonna save you, I'm dragging you to the yard. <laughs> <laughs> 
thank you very much for listening to the Shut Up and Sit Down podcast, everybody. Uh, uh, Yes, what should we say at the end of the podcast? Well, let's just wrap it up like a podcast, and then we can say some stuff afterwards. Thank you for listening. Uh, We'll see you next time for another podcast episode. We will indeed. That's the jingle. We'll also put the jingle on after that. Bye. Bye.